So instead of like what would no normally be a eulogy, he gave what was a 20-minute grand, beautiful, hilarious toast yeah. to his father and, and kind of went around the room, thanked all these players in his dad's life. And we never knew Marty. Um, and yet, I could tell you so much about Marty yep, from yep, that talk. I feel like I do. <laughs> Told stories, um, introduced at people that were part of his life, and you know, talked about their inside jokes. Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I am Dr. John Duffy. My co-host here is Julie Duffy, the ebullient, benevolent, beautiful. Julie Duffy, thanks ebullient. for being here. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm going to keep using ebullient until we're certain it's the right word. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> All right. Before we get started, we have some things we're going to talk about. Yeah. We want to thank you for protecting some time with us. Totally. I had somebody tell me they really liked that, that idea of, of thanking people. So I kinda, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to keep thanking people. Thanking is good. All right. Listen to this. All right, so that is not the Beatles. That is not John and Paul. Um, that is these two guys. They're called Black, Black Ra Rabbit. Black Rabbit, B-L-A-C Rabbit, as far as we can tell. Look these guys up. These are two Afri young African-American dudes hanging out in the subway singing Beatles songs. And it is the most joyful, crazy. It makes me happier than is reasonable. Yeah, I love them so much, and I wish they were just taking requests like live online. Because, oh, that's a great idea, actually. Right? Yeah, there isn't a Beatles song I don't want them to hear. And I saw, I saw a video of the one guy, um, of the two guys. There's two guys, John and Paul, or wh whatever their names are. Um, and he was just playing an acoustic guitar and sitting on a couch, and he was singing some original song. Oh, wow. But I was hoping it was yesterday. Oh, yeah, that'd Can be you awesome. imagine? Because these guys, man, these guys sound exactly like the Beatles. They and do. they don't look like the Beatles, which no. it makes it awesome. Like, yeah. makes it amazing yeah. and awesome and cool. Um, and makes you, yeah, makes you want to hear all these Beatles songs because it looks fresh and new and cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> we have something really cool to talk about today, yeah. I think. Don't you? Yeah. Uh, it starts out, and it's not going to sound cool, because it is about how we handle um, life and particularly death, right? Yeah. How we handle somebody's death. And, and what the typical thing is, is that we have wakes and we have funerals and we grieve and we mourn and we have the process, right? We And then we have our five stages of grieving. Yeah, I mean... Which is important. Yeah. Which All is, important yeah. stuff, right? But it's typically morose and brutal. And so do you want to tell people just a little bit about what we did last yeah, night? So, yeah, so the reason we're doing this is last night we went to our friend Charlene Vickery's uh, dad passed away a few weeks ago. Marty, I never got to know him, but um, so last night they had a celebration of life. Instead of a funeral, instead of a wake, they had a big party. Um, and we, it was downtown at the Victory Tap, 
1416 South Michigan Avenue. The whole second floor of this um, very nice restaurant, which is a bunch of rooms so with tables and chairs set up and stuff like that. A uh, lot of people from yeah, Barney's so you, so life. We walked in, yeah, just and just right away we walked in, and I I realized immediately my template had changed for what should happen. <laughs> and I mean, this is no people can do what they want. It's no judgment, and and people do what they need to do and do what feels right. But for me, it was like wow, there was no. No, nothing downtrodden. As you greeted people, you knew it wasn't hi. It was hi, hey. And Charlene was just radiant and joyful. And even as Charlene talked about her dad, yeah. it wasn't like it. I, I didn't feel teary or anything. I just wanted to know more about him. And her her oldest brother, whose name I wish I knew, because. He did this amazing job. So instead of like what would no- normally be a eulogy, he gave what was, I would describe as a 20-minute, grand, beautiful, hilarious toast yeah. to his father and and kind of went around the room, thanked all these players in his dad's life. And we never knew Marty. Um, and yet... I could tell you so much about Marty yep, from yep, that. Yeah, I feel like I do. <laughs> Told stories, um, introduced at people that were part of his life, and you know, talked about their inside jokes. He has five. He has five granddaughters. Marty, three yeah. of Shar's um, daughters, and her brother has two daughters. And he, the girls all stood up, and he told the girls what they had inherited from, what quality they what had inherited, gift. the gift from, from their grandfather, that's Marty. That's Marty, you know, yeah, the reason yeah, you're yeah. thrifty, that's Marty. Yeah, 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 that was cool. Marty liked games, you love games, you're strategic. Um, Marty liked books, you know, that's why you're smart. Marty never read them, but I guess he, he was a, an antique collector and dealer um, and definitely was way more about the purchasing of the deal, you know, getting like truckloads of stuff, like ficus trees. and <laughs> Yeah, the, the Marty story, he's, it, it feels like this throwback to the kind of guy that just isn't around anymore. Like, I so wish I had met Marty because, you know, if Marty had a business card, I listened to Marty's story for almost half an hour. I couldn't tell you what the man did. I mean, it sounds like he bought a lot of stuff and he would move it. Like Charlene was frustrated at times because he would just bring antiques over to her house. Yeah. He liked to buy, he liked to get good deals, find good deals. And then she would say, okay, I've, I've now I'm supporting bad habits because one in 10 things he brings to my house, I want. Yeah. And now I'm saying, you know, yeah, you can bring that, I guess. Yeah. I don't want the rest of the nine, you know, the crap that you're bringing. So Marty feels like this kind of like man about town and he liked playing cards. And I'm always like a guy who's into playing cards. I always feel like he knows something I don't like he's going to get something from me or something, you know, like they're they're clever. There's something about card guys. Yeah, he he. so. So, yeah, and he was full of life. Right. I mean, because he was a cigar guy and he was what a cognac. What is he? What did he drink? They, they gave they had goodie bags. They were so brilliant. These black velvet goodie bags. I mean, this was a straight up party. That's the point. This was a celebration. This was, um, you know, it felt like a wedding or something. You know, it, it was. Uh, it felt like a reception after a wedding. Yeah, it yeah. was 
a celebration of Marty, a, a, a shout out to all the people in Marty's life and what role they played in Marty's life. And it was an introduction to all of us who didn't know Marty to Marty. Um, you know, it, he, Marty was alive there. It was, it was a straight up party and they gave, they gave away goodie bags, black velvet goodie bags with this really cool tag. Um, and I think on the back they had like Marty, I, I don't have it with me. They had like Marty, Marty ism, sorry, Marty isms, you know, things he would say. Oh, um, I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah. And, and it had, each bag had a deck of cards, a cigar and a bottle, a little bottle of cognac. How cool. And this was all Marty's yeah. stuff. Yeah. Marty's favorite yeah. stuff. So it just um, really turned the whole, you know, idea of a funeral on its head for me. And it was funny because friends of ours that were there that we were talking to, Jennifer and John, John has had, since before they were married, he's had, an, he has an insurance policy to um, plan, uh, that will pay for the party when he dies. Yeah. So he's thought about this for years and years and years. Years. I mean, yeah, John and Jennifer have been together for a very long time. And yeah, John's John's planning on a party after he dies. John is an interesting dude, man. Yeah, so I that's what I mean, that's what I want. I mean, I and you know Oh, that's for sure what I want now. Anybody yeah. right, you know, I want a party. I, I mean, want, I don't want to even talk about that or even think about that, as you know. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna talk to my mom and dad about that, you know? Yeah. Um Listen, and I, I suppose there's something to be said for a tra- for tradition, but this felt oddly, it felt like something that should have been happening all along. In a weird way, it felt traditional to me. Like it was, there were all these characters. Marty was not a young guy, so there were, there were people of all ages in this room. And as his son, who looks very much like Marty, um, gave this, this, uh, lengthy toast, he would, he would cite, he'd point out these characters and be like, right, Uncle Phil, you know, like you guys never got along. Ah, you both cheated, you know, like it was, yeah. and you got, got a feel for who he was. And it felt like, oh, this is, this is something that feels like it should have been happening through the ages in a way. And there, there's one other touch that they had that I thought was really cool. So there were on all the screens, there were uh, these montages of Marty alone with his family, with his wife, with his grandchildren, sick, healthy, young, old. And then uh, every once in a while, there was a screen that came up that was probably the greatest epitaph anybody could ever ask for. And it just said, Marty, whatever his last name was, a good man. Yeah. And his, and his son, t- you know, focused on that yeah. and said, you know, like, we kind of were very deliberate about this because... What what more could you ask for out of life than being right. a good man? Right. You know, I thought that was that was kind of a lovely little simple, perfect touch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So people got to go and be, you know, joyful, and 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 they did talk about how, um, you know, his body had was kind of giving out, and I guess he was ready to go. You know, and even Char was saying she was asking him in the end, well, dad, you know, could, could, you know, try to stick around (laughs) at least for Helene's birthday or, you know, um, but he's like, no, man, I'm done. I'm walking out of here, you know, and he couldn't, he was in a wheelchair, I think, and now was bedridden, but he could not wait to meet his, you know, go and have 
you know, rice pilaf with his mom and, yeah, you know, play yeah. cards with his dad and, you know, have and see his friends. Really, it's I think that really is the way he felt, which that is super cool. And, and I do, you know, she did say that um, this was an expected passing and many people came to see him and say their goodbyes and spend time and and she asked them to bring pictures and come and tell stories and so that was a beautiful thing that they got they were able to foresee that and 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 that was the process you know yeah. so it's not like you have to then play catch up and do all this you know after the fact and so that i think gave way to them being able to have the celebration, but it was just a decision they made. She knew, she said she knew this is what they were going to do. And she was radiant and joyful and, 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 and they were as a family and their guests got to be, and it was a celebration of life. Yes. It, it was, was, it, a was a it was a celebration of life. It was a celebration of life. And, um, and there was something kind of spiritually amazing about it because a couple of times his son said, you know, like, you know, dad's up there. He's looking down on us. And, and you know, something, I've been to funerals where I've, been, I've felt very disconnected because um, they, they can be so grim and morose. Not, not all of them, but a, a lot of them can be. And I don't really envision that kind of heavenly kind of um, vibe. But somehow I felt like, oh, yeah, Marty's here, man. Marty's in the room. Marty feels this and he knows this. So whether whether whatever happens next whatever ritual we choose is for the living or for the newly departed a party seems like a good idea it seems like you know a great I mean? idea. it seems like I, I really did feel like a a really fitting beautiful tribute and we loved it and we want that now yeah you know, and like- and i i'm grateful to char and her family i mean char's amazing, an amazing spirit. And, um, she brings a lot of, um, peace and inspiration to people's lives. And, and, and she did it in a big way with this for me. Um, yeah, again, just walking in, I knew, oh, this is the right way to, (laughs) I mean, everyone has their own way. I don't mean that again in a judgment way, but this is the right way to do this. This is so beautiful and so great. And so, um, what what Marty would love and what you know people deserve like gather celebrate there were I guess you know he was a collector as we said and as they said and so there was a whole table we were kind of in the back and didn't get to see all of this stuff up close but there were items he had up there the fishing pole that his brother made for him and you know there was paintings and a bunch of stuff that he had up there um you know they had up there that, for visuals for these stories yeah his hat his hat um, so his son could show how much he looked like him he put the hat yeah. on yeah so you know i just think that you know what a beautiful way to be able to process your um you know this transition and and tell stories and talk about you know, your, your, your loved one who, who has passed on. And yeah, it was, it was really an inspiration. So we just wanted, wanted to talk about it and share that and, you know, throw that out as an idea. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard, I think, to handle loss with grace. And, and yet there've been so many examples of people doing that in this beautiful way, I, for some reason, I'm thinking now about these kids down in Parkland, Florida, and yeah. how you know they 
they put together this evening. Um, I don't know if you got to see much I of this. I did not. I have not seen that. So where um, they were, there's they're very um, they're activists now, right? So so there's a group of them that are very very vocal with their with their Congress people, with the president, um, but also they're musical. Uh, somewhere along the line, somebody wrote this beautiful song that these two girls sang. Uh, together with with harmonies and everything, and one girl played the piano, and then there were these pronouncements during the song by these other kids, and they've been, you know, like what, like what do you mean? Um, you know, about how this is this is not going to happen again, and our friends did not die in vain, and and it's hard to even wrap your brain around the fact that all this has happened within ten days of this massacre. And, and I just picture, like, if this were me and I were a kid at that school, I think I'd be home rolled up in a ball. And, and the strength of these kids to recognize the power of the loss in a way, like, you know, and like, oh, yeah, people say all the time, you know, it, when someone dies tragically, you have not died in vain. But my God, man, you know, to watch these kids and the way they have gracefully grieved their friends, continue to grieve their friends, and have found mission through the loss of 17, 17 of their classmates is, is not, it's not just inspiring because that feels like it cheapens it. It's just, I'm awestruck by them. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gotta feel good too. I mean, it's just, a ridiculous, you know, in, in contrast to Marty, you know, who lived a long life, you know, that's this brutal, God awful ripoff, you know, and, and, and tragic, like you said, massacre. Yeah. Um, I imagine for these kids, it's gotta be, it's gotta feel better to be in, you know, taking action, right? It's gotta be, um, somewhat uh, grounding or steadying to be to be taking some action as a result of this instead of being at home just afraid. I, I mean, I'm sure that there are some kids that are at home afraid and sad and, oh, they, and they, freaked they, out. They probably all are. I right. mean, this just happened. It was terrifying. Yes. And traumatic. And, you know, they're not even back at school because I don't think they're done going to funerals yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 17 of these, you know, yeah. like it's, it's a, it's a nightmare and just to take a nightmare and turn something, create something positive out of it is shocking. And if it's a movement, you know, um, I don't care how anybody feels about gun control, you know, that these kids have found a voice in the wake of the loss. That's amazing to me. Amazing. You know, and, um, and I hope it silences some people's voices about this generation just briefly because the I love I love teenagers. I'm crazy about them. I've never met one I didn't like. Yep. And this idea that, you know, because they take selfies and, you know, they're on Snapchat, that they're this selfish generation that doesn't give a shit. Sorry, that doesn't hold any mm-hmm. water, man. These are good people. And this is great evidence of it. You know, they're they're the ones who are going to save us all. <laughs> no, that, it, it, it does. It gives me a ton of hope. <laughs> so it's like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're there. They can, they can help. Yeah. They can change this. Yep. Yep. 
and there was um, so, somebody said something negative about them, um, and I suspected somebody who's like very, very in favor of the NRA or something like that. And this kid wrote back, "Whatever, we will outlive you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which they have that on us too. <laughs> but um, in any event, you know that's that's another amazing way to handle losses, you know, tragic losses is to make something of it. And, and there's one other story I'm compelled to tell. And I, and I just received permission a, a few minutes ago to tell it. Um, one of my favorite people on earth is, is a client of mine who is the better story guy. And I've cited him before. He, he's um, always looking to craft the better story for his day and his dog. What kind of a dog is Bobby? Uh, a lab. Bobby's a lab. Yeah. Bo- and, uh, so his dog, yellow lab. Yeah, yellow lab. His dog Bobby was 16 years old. Oh, Bobby. Yeah, and um, and his companion through an awful lot of movement in his life. And he, you know, as as dogs often are, you know, loyal all the way through. And um, and Bobby had Bobby was dying. He was dying earlier this month, and he had this spot. Uh, in the house where he liked to be. And, um, and so this man knew that, that Bobby was dying and thought, well, I'm going to, in a couple of days, I'm going to bring him in and, and put Bobby down. And then there was one night where Bobby was kind of like howling in the middle of the night. Aww. Yeah. And so he went and sat with Bobby for a couple hours. And then um, they got up in the morning, took a walk because Bobby wanted to take a walk. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they went back to Bobby's spot because this man recognized that he wanted Bobby's last moments, last breaths to be taken not on some cold metal, you know, table or something like that, but in his spot. So a veterinarian came in and this man held Bobby and, and literally was touching his chest while he took his last breaths. And um, he said it was brutal and it was beautiful at the same time. And Bobby died where he lived. Yeah. And, and he wasn't scared. He was just done, you know. Um, he knew he, could do, he was done with the walk and he, was, and he was done with this iteration of life, whatever uh. that is. And, um, and what, a, what a better story. You know, like, you know, to have his last moments right there where he wanted to be. Yeah. You know? And um, it's so it's so interesting when, when pets die because um, my dad used to tell a story that um, when his... I never knew my, my grandfather on my dad's side. He died when I was less than a year old. But my dad says that when his father died... He went to work the next day. Um, apparently, they weren't as close as he and his mother were. <laughs> and when I was in eighth grade, we put our dog Jason down. Um, my dad walked Jason around the yard for um, his last time, and Shh. and uh, and um, and then my dad was home for a week <laughs> grieving <laughs> when his father that. died. He went to work. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Jason, Jason, the, Jason the Schnauzer dies. He's home for a week. You know, um, super, super attached. And you know, it's just because 
I think they're, they're such a part of our lives. And, and, um, uh, so, so I, I suppose our overriding point is to really be thoughtful about, you know, how you want to honor, you know, the people you've lost. And, you know, so even if there's a traditional funeral, our, my bias would be throw a party too, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone deserves a party. <laughs> yeah. Just, it was, uh, yeah, he would have loved it. Oh, he would have loved it. Marty, yeah. Marty would have loved it. And, you know, anyone listening, you would have loved it and you would see what we mean. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, yeah, I think the way to go. I think it's the way to go too. Yep. So, so just some thoughts on how to gracefully handle that end part of life and um, what happens next. Because uh, I got to think Char and her family felt good last night. Yeah. Felt like, you know, I, I think we all need ritual, right? When something to happen, you know, that, that, that honors the life of the person we lost and a celebration seems fitting. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. It yeah. really did. So some thoughts guys and, um, and look up our, my Beatles guys. What, what's the, what's the name of it? Black Rabbit. Look up Black B-L-A-C. Rabbit, man. And, and just, you know, if you're, if you're not a Beatles Having nothing to now, do with death. Having nothing to do with death. <laughs> except, except that we all know that Paul has been dead since the sixties. That's uh, oh, true that. right. Um, this is the undue anxiety podcast. Um, Dr. John Duffy. This is Julie Duffy. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Love you. Love you. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day. You can find this podcast online at iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, liveleadplay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching School, and WGN+. On my website, there's a free parenting program, uh, drjohnduffy.com. If you are a parent, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, some really good ideas there. Um, if you have thoughts or ideas uh, for this podcast or for someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, uh, please email me at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the Undo Anxiety Podcast.